Chapter 35 Fiora pushed open the door to the queen's sewing room without knocking, then silently scolded herself for doing so. A proper lady would knock. She needed to do better. Kara and Lady Annabel blinked at her as Fiora limped across the room and took a seat. Elaine was too engrossed in her book to notice. Dowager Queen Bernadine's chair was empty, as was Princess Colette's. Fiora cast a questioning glance at Kara. They left to greet arriving guests. They should return shortly. Kara turned her attention back to her knitting. She had finished the heel on the sock and was working her way up the ankle. Fiora watched her for a moment. Kara's needles clicked together with quiet efficiency. Knitting wasn't one of the skills required for the princess test, so Fiora had never learned. Watching Kara, she wished she had. Perhaps she could have knit seaweed into clothing for herself instead of searching shipwrecks for fabric. Kara looked up and gave Fiora a small smile. Fiora returned it with a scowl and pulled out the basket under her seat. She selected a dark red thread to add shading to the rose and began to sew. Her breathing eased a little as she stabbed the fabric, stitching in a steady rhythm that calmed her racing thoughts. I see you finally found some suitable shoes, Lady Annabelle said. Her own sewing project sat on her lap. Apparently she had only been working on it to impress Dowager Queen Bernadine, because she made no pretense of being interested in it now. Fiora ignored the comment and stabbed her needle through the fabric again. And you even found a dress that matches your ring. I suppose when you only have one accessory, you must plan everything else around it. I would love to hear the story of where you managed to obtain a pearl ring when you can't even afford clothes. Won't you tell me? Fiora looked up just long enough to glare at Lady Annabelle, then stabbed her fabric again, pretending it was Lady Annabelle's face. That made the sewing even more stress-relieving than normal. Her feet ached, and her resolve to be a proper lady was quickly fading. No one that mattered was here to notice, anyway. Lady Annabelle took Fiora's frustration as encouragement. But of course you can't tell me, can you? That is a shame. Especially when King Gustav is looking for a wife who can sing. Fortunately, I've taken voice lessons for many years. Marquis Corbo asked me to sing for everyone as entertainment after dinner. It will be a special treat for the gala guests who have arrived early. Stop it, Annabelle, Kara said. You're making a fool of yourself. No, I'm making an effort. Anyone would think you don't care at all about King Gustav. You've hardly said a word to him the whole time you've been here. I'm the only one who has tried to engage him in conversation. Apparently I'm also the only one who is intelligent enough to question this woman's strange appearance and suspicious motivations. Annabelle. Lady Mare isn't suspicious. Kara set down her knitting and looked from Annabelle to Fiora in distress. It's Lady Annabelle. And is no one curious why she was in the library in the middle of the night in the first place? Kara and Lady Annabelle turned to Fiora. She shrugged. None of your business. Of course they didn't understand the signs, but Fiora couldn't keep from replying any longer. Lady Annabelle's smile widened. Isn't it strange that she was rummaging through the gifts at night? Through the most valuable objects in the castle outside the treasury? Fiora desperately wanted to make a comment about the painting of Lady Annabelle. She wished Gustav was here so she could sign it to him. 
he would fight back laughter, trying to maintain his composure, but his eyes would crinkle in amusement. And then the pile of gifts fell, ruining the carefully organized stacks so no one would notice that anything was missing. Kara gasped. The earthquake knocked them over. You shouldn't accuse people without proof. Idiot, Elaine signed. She had been reading her book and hadn't seemed to be paying attention to the conversation, so her response was a surprise. Fiora choked back laughter. You speak sign language? She asked. Elaine tucked the book into a hidden pocket in her skirt and shrugged. A little. Then she winked at Fiora and waved her hands in an animated manner, signing nonsense while casting significant glances at Lady Annabelle. Stop it, Lady Annabelle said. You shouldn't say things not everyone can understand. There go any hopes of intelligent conversation, then, Fiora signed. Elaine shook her head a little to show she didn't understand, then laughed loudly as if she did. Kara looked from Elaine to Fiora, a small smile forming on her lips. Then she set down her knitting, timidly raised her hands, and began to sign the alphabet. Fiora covered her hands with her mouth to hide her smile. She hadn't expected Kara to have that kind of spunk. I demand that you stop, Lady Annabelle said. This behavior is most improper. T-H-A-N-K-S Fiora spelled the word out, hoping that Kara and Elaine would understand. They both nodded and grinned at her. The door opened, and Princess Colette burst into the room. Oh, Lady Mayor. I thought you were resting. I couldn't sleep and thought some sewing would relax me. Please let the servants know if you need anything. I wish I could stay and sew with you all, but I have to review the budget with Marchioness Rouge before lunch. I just came to retrieve my notes. Is there anything I can do to help? Kara asked. I feel strange sitting idle while you are so busy. I'm afraid not. Just make sure you're rested for the reception tonight so you can help me entertain our guests. If everyone arrives on time, we'll have several princes and princesses in attendance. Lady Annabelle brightened at the mention of princes. I'm going to sing for everyone's entertainment. Marquis Corbo asked me to. The tiniest flicker of annoyance flashed across Colette's face. Then she gathered her composure and smiled. I'm sure that will be lovely, Lady Annabelle. Please excuse me. I'll see you all at lunch. Colette grabbed some papers from a table, curtsied, and hurried from the room. I wonder which countries have sent princes? Lady Annabelle said. Kara shrugged, and Elaine returned to reading her book. Fiora focused on sewing, adding dark red stitches to her rose until it began to resemble a real flower more than a mere outline. I've never met any foreign princess, Lady Annabelle said. I've been invited to receptions for them before, but father thought it best I not meet them in case I ever needed to participate in a princess test. Once Princess Colette is married, I'll be the most eligible noblewoman in Montaigne. Fiora rolled her eyes. Lady Annabelle spoke as if she was guaranteed to win once she had the chance to participate in a princess test. She had no idea and she wouldn't get very far with such terrible embroidery skills. Fiora wished she could relay the comment to Gustav. But he wasn't here and saying such a thing would give away the fact that she was familiar with princess tests.
best to keep such knowledge to herself. So she focused on her sewing, ignoring Lady Annabel's ramblings until a servant came to fetch them for lunch. The ladies moved slowly through the hallway, but it was still too fast for Fiora to walk comfortably in her shoes. Pain seared the bottom of her feet with each step she took. Lady Mare, are you well? Should I fetch the doctor? Kara said. Fiora scowled at her, angry that she hadn't been able to hide the pain well enough. Kara swallowed and looked away. I think we should hurry, Lady Annabel said with a nasty gleam in her eyes. We don't want to be late for lunch. But Lady Mare. Fiora gritted her teeth and forced herself to walk faster. She passed Lady Annabel and led the way down the hall. Being proper had never been this difficult. She wanted to tear the shoes off her feet and throw them out a window. But she couldn't. She needed to prove she was worthy of a king's affection, and she only had a day and a half to do it. A footman showed them into the dining room and seated them when they arrived. Dowager Queen Bernadine and Thomas sat at the head of the table. Marquis Corbeau, Marchioness Rouge, Princess Colette, Captain Whist, and Dale the Merchant occupied the rest of the chairs. Gustave's seat was empty. Marquis Corbeau scowled when he saw Fiora. I didn't expect to see you here. Dr. Batiste said you would need rest. Sorry to disappoint you. The Marquis looked to Thomas for a translation. The interpreter swallowed. Lady Mare said she feels perfectly well, Dowager Queen Bernadine said. Fiora grinned, then remembered she was supposed to be acting like a proper lady. She smoothed her features into what she hoped was a serene expression. You may begin serving lunch, Dowager Queen Bernadine said to the staff. Gustav had to have his suit altered at the last minute. I expect he'll be late. The waiters nodded. I would like to talk to you later, Dowager Queen Bernadine signed to Fiora. We can do it while you're being fitted for your ball gown. Fiora blinked. I already have gowns. You have a few spare dresses prepared on short notice. Nothing suitable for the gala. Dowager Queen Bernadine's expression said she would not take no for an answer, so Fiora nodded and turned her attention to her soup. A proper lady wouldn't argue with her hostess. Besides, a better gown might help her catch Gustav's notice. The lunch was awkward without him. She wanted to tease him about the soup. To dare him to make a comment on it to see how much Lady Annabel would gush. Instead, she sat with perfect posture and studied everyone around the table from the corner of her eye. Elaine looked bored. She smiled when she caught Fiora's gaze then turned back to her food. Kara kept glancing nervously at the door. Wondering when Gustav would arrive? Has there been any signs of tidal waves, Captain? Marchioness Rouge asked. I know the earthquake puts us at risk. Nothing large enough to be dangerous, Captain Wiss said. I think we're clear. Dell sighed. I had hoped a tidal wave might wash some of my goods ashore. He picked up his fork and stared mournfully at it. Because a flood is no cause for concern if a shipment of silverware can be reclaimed, Dowager Queen Bernadine said. The merchant flushed. Forgive me, Your Majesty. Of course I did not mean it that way. I am glad that those living near the shore are safe from disaster. He looked ready to launch into another lament over his lost cargo. 
Colette interrupted before he could expound on his woes. Marchioness Rouge and I reevaluated the budget today. Did you? Marquis Corbo said. I would be happy to offer any advice if needed. It is not needed, Marchioness Rouge said. The princess has quite a head for numbers. She found several places where efficiency could be improved. Oh? Wonderful. Marquis Corbo did not sound enthusiastic. I thought we could use the surplus to help merchants affected by the Kraken attacks, Colette said. It isn't as if we need to spend the money on more jewels or parties. Marquis Corbo sniffed, as if to say this was exactly what surplus money in a royal budget should be spent on. Colette continued with a defensive edge to her voice. It would help Montaigne's economy to have the shipping routes active again. I know we normally don't assist private citizens, but this is a special case. If we all work together, we will rebuild faster. Of course the plan would need council approval. And we will need to see what Gustav thinks. She looked around the table as if realizing for the first time that she was speaking out loud. Everyone stared at her, surprised by the passion in her speech as much as her ideas. Colette shrank back in her chair as if trying to escape their stares. She reminded Fiora of an octopus folding in on itself to hide in a tight space. Marquis Corbo filled the silence by rambling about gala preparations. Something about flowers that matched the cake. Or maybe the flowers were on the cake? Or the cake was made of flowers? Fiora wasn't really paying attention. She watched across the table, waiting for Princess Colette to look up. It sounds like a good plan, she signed when she finally caught Colette's attention. I'm sure the merchants will be grateful and it will do much more good for your country than a flower cake. Colette's eyes widened with surprise at the praise. Then she smiled and sat a little straighter. Thank you. Chapter 36 Gustav hurried through the hallway, late for lunch and hoping that his grandmother had expressed appropriate apologies to his guests when he wasn't there to greet them. It had taken longer than expected to tailor the suit, and then he had to get dressed and make himself presentable for the day. He entered the dining room and found Marquis Corbo rhapsodizing about the refreshments he had planned for the gala. Of course, it was difficult to secure the right kind of apples for the tarts. Normally we import them from Gavron, but the Kraken attacks made that difficult. Luckily I. The Marquis stopped his story when Gustav sat down. The other diners looked grateful for the interruption. Gustav could only guess how long Marquis Corbo had been rambling about the gala preparations. He looked around the table and blinked with surprise when he saw Lady Mare. Dr. Batiste said you were resting. I'm fine. She didn't look fine. A thin layer of sweat shone on her forehead, and her eyes were strained. Gustav agreed with Dr. Batiste's evaluation that Lady Mare needed rest, but he suspected she was too stubborn to appreciate his saying so. She looked different somehow. Her hair was pulled back, and she wore a more elaborate style of gown. As if she was trying to prove she was in good health by looking more polished than normal. Gustav realized he was staring and looked down at his soup. First he kissed her, then he gawked at her. No wonder she was uncomfortable. It probably had more to do with his behavior than being buried in an avalanche of royal gifts. He was tempted to comment on the soup to try to make Lady Mare smile, but the predatory gleam in Lady Annabelle's eyes kept him quiet. 
Has your majesty cleaned up after the earthquake? I'm sure you'll be sorting through the presents to make sure everything is accounted for. Lady Annabel gave Lady Mare a pointed look, and Lady Mare rolled her eyes. Gustav looked between them, trying to make sense of the tension. The servants and scribes are working to reorganize the library. I do hope that nothing is missing. She seemed to be accusing Lady Mare of something, but Gustav had no idea what. Is everything ready for the guests arriving by sea, Captain? Gustav asked. Captain Whist nodded. There have been no signs of tidal waves, and I've posted extra guards and sent out some patrol boats just to be on the safe side. Just in case another Kraken attacked. He didn't say it, but Gustav knew that was what he meant. Will the patrol boats be on the watch for mermaids? Dale asked. If your majesty is planning another expedition, I would like to be on the ship. Out of the question, Marquis Corbo said. His majesty will be too busy entertaining guests and preparing for the gala to search for mermaids. Gustav sighed. As much as he wanted to continue the search for his father, he did have duties to attend to. Guests had already arrived, and he needed to be a good host. He hoped the visitors didn't include more eligible women, but that was probably wishful thinking. Knowing Marquis Corbo, the list would only include eligible women. I'm afraid the search for my father will have to wait. Gustav whispered find King Francois to his ring and checked the light's direction with his compass. It had not changed. Gustav glanced at Lady Mare and found her smiling sympathetically at him. He returned her smile and told himself that it was all right. He would focus on the search after the gala. It is strange, Captain Whist said. I sent men to ask around and see how far the earthquake reached. It was weaker in the village. The stable boys said they heard a rumble but felt no shaking. Really? Gustav frowned. The stable sat just outside the castle grounds. You think the castle was the epicenter then? Yes. Possibly the library, judging from the servants' reports. So the earthquake centered around Lady Mayor? Lady Annabel said. How very strange. She gave a smug smile, as if she had just delivered a scathing accusation. Gustav frowned. He couldn't wait for Lady Annabel to leave. Perhaps someone was targeting the castle. Kara said. Don't be silly, Lady Annabel said. That isn't how earthquakes work. Could it have been caused by magic? Lady Mare signed. Thomas translated. Everyone stared at her. Magic? What a ridiculous thought, Lady Annabel said. Gustav shook his head. I saw a lot of magic in my recent visits to Ionia and Santel. It is certainly possible that it has come here. But how? And what can we do about it? You have the most experience with such things, Gustav, Colette said. You've researched magic while looking for father. Everyone turned to Gustav. He swallowed. I read what we have in the library about curses, which isn't much. And there was no mention of a curse ever causing an earthquake. That would be unlikely, Elaine said. If this earthquake was something magical, it sounds more like the work of an enchanted object. Everyone stared at her, jaws dropped in surprise. Elaine took their surprise in stride, neither flustered nor embarrassed. She pulled a book from her skirt and waved it at them. 
Did you think I was reading romance novels this whole time? I accepted your invitation to the castle so I would have access to your library for my research. I've read everything we have at home about magic, but you have a much larger selection of texts. An enchanted object. Gustav said when he finally found his voice. Yes, like your ring. Gustav looked down at his ring and noticed Lady Mare did the same with hers. Interesting. Was her pearl enchanted as well? What did it do? Another question. When would he get answers? You think someone used an enchanted object to create an earthquake? Dowager Queen Bernadine said after Thomas translated the conversation for her. There was a little skepticism in her voice, but she seemed to take the idea seriously. It's certainly possible, Elaine said. There is an enormous pile of gifts in your library. Perhaps some of them are magical. Then we'll search the gifts, Gustav said. Elaine, could you help? I would be happy to loan you any of the books in our library as thanks. It would be an honor, your majesty. But I should warn you, I'm no expert in enchanted objects. Do you have any idea how to identify them? Dowager Queen Bernadine asked. I know a few ways. I can't identify every type of magic, but I can find several. Then you're the best option we have. I'm glad to hear you have some use. I thought it was odd for Janine to have raised such a worthless granddaughter. The guests around the table gasped, but Elaine simply laughed. I suppose I was so eager to make the most of my time with the books that I forgot to pay attention to the people. Forgive me, your majesty. I meant no offense. And I take none. Gustav smiled with relief. Lady Mare raised an eyebrow at him. I'm glad she was simply distracted, Gustav signed. It's a little hard on your pride when someone who is supposed to be trying to marry you finds you that uninteresting. I was beginning to worry that I was horribly boring. That's ridiculous. Of course you aren't boring. Her smile faded when she saw that Gustav was serious. Why would you think that? It takes a lot of time to run a kingdom, and I spend every spare hour searching for my father. I've been working so much that I haven't even practiced dancing for the gala. I'll probably fall flat on my face tomorrow night. I'm out of practice as well, Lady Mare signed. The last time I was at a ball, no one asked me to dance. She frowned at Gustav's shocked expression. It's fine. I didn't mean. Gustav raised his hand to stop her. Lady Mare, I don't know who you associated with before, but they were fools if they could not see your worth. To Gustav's horror, Lady Mare's eyes filled with tears. By the heavens, what abuse was she used to if such simple praise made her cry? What did you say to her? Lady Annabelle said. Why is Lady Mare crying? She sounded a bit too pleased by this turn of events. I'm sure she's just overwhelmed, Dowager Queen Bernadine said. She has had a stressful day. Tomorrow will be better, dear. Lady Mare's expression turned grim. Gustav couldn't stand the sorrow in her eyes another moment. Will you dance with me tonight, Lady Mare? I would like to practice before the gala. He said it aloud instead of signing. He couldn't make up for what had happened at the last ball she attended, but he could make sure it didn't happen again. And he could make sure that everyone knew he found her a worthy companion.
but most of all, he wanted her to know. That seemed important somehow. Lady Mare's eyes widened with surprise. Then she nodded and smiled at him. Lady Annabel scowled. But I'm going to sing tonight. Perfect, Dowager Queen Bernadine said. Thomas can accompany you. We'll need music so they can dance. Lady Annabel's expression was absolutely murderous. Gustav shared a look with Lady Mare, both of them doing their best not to laugh. Chapter 37 He wanted to dance with her. Fiora ducked her head, trying to hide both her blush and her concern at the thought of dancing. Her feet hurt so badly she could hardly stand. But she would do it. She would do whatever she could to spend time with Gustav. She needed to. And strangely, she wanted to. No one had ever actually wanted to dance with her before. The men who had been forced to escort her for political reasons at various functions had always worn tight expressions and hurried away as soon as possible. They hadn't needed to say how unappealing they found her. Their silence spoke louder than words ever could. But Gustav had just asked her to dance. Out loud. In front of everyone. Fiora looked down at her ring. Was it her imagination, or had the bit of color grown wider? She swallowed the spark of hope building in her chest. This was progress, but it wasn't enough. She would have to do better if Gustav was going to fall in love with her by tomorrow night. She needed time alone with him. Or some kind of grand gesture to catch his attention. This was more difficult than the princess tests. The competition wasn't official, and there was no schedule to follow. Even if he liked her, there was no deadline for him to decide that and declare his affection. Lady Mare Fiora realized Gustav was speaking to her and frowned at herself. Ignoring him was not a good start. She looked up at him and smiled. Sorry. What did you say? I asked if you would like to help Elaine and I search the gifts for enchanted objects this afternoon. I understand if you don't feel well enough, but... I'd love to. Fiora signed the words a little too quickly then scolded herself for appearing overeager. But this was her chance to spend time with Gustav, and she needed to make sure that he didn't spend time alone with Elaine. What if he discovered he liked the other girl better? Lady Mare is coming with me first, Dowager Queen Bernadine said. She needs to be fit for her ball gown. Fiora and Gustav shared a look, deciding if it was worth arguing with the Dowager Queen or not. Gustav gave a small smile, and Fiora nodded. It would be easier for all concerned to give the Dowager Queen her way. Besides, she did need a ball gown. And surely Gustav wouldn't fall in love with Elaine in the time it took to fit a dress. At least, Fiora hoped not. She watched Gustav and Elaine hurry out of the dining room with a tightness in her throat. You'll join them soon enough, Lady Mare. Fiora nodded and turned to follow the Dowager Queen. Making Gustav's grandmother angry wouldn't help matters. She would be as polite and charming as possible, and hopefully the fitting would not take long. But Thomas seemed in no hurry as he pushed Dowager Queen Bernadine's wheelchair through the castle. As much as Fiora wanted to get this over with, she was also grateful for the slower pace. She did her best not to limp, although more than once she glanced down to check if someone had lined the marble floor with knives. It felt like they had. Fiora would not be surprised to see a trail of bloody footprints behind her, 
but when she looked back, she saw only pristine stone. Thomas pushed Dowager Queen Bernadine back to the wing of the castle that held bedrooms. Fiora smiled at the portrait of young Gustav as they passed it. Her statue may be cracked in an ocean away, but the painting was fine. As was the man the boy had grown to be. Dowager Queen Bernadine noticed Fiora's interest. He's always been a sweet boy. She waited for Fiora's answer, but Fiora didn't know what to say to that. She simply nodded and kept walking. They reached Dowager Queen Bernadine's suite, and Fiora held the door while Thomas pushed the wheelchair through. A beautiful gown the color of the moonlit sea hung in the middle of the room. Ruffles of gathered white lace formed waves on the full skirt, while diamonds and pearls on the bodice sparkled in the sunlight that streamed through the windows. A seamstress fluttered around the dress, adding a few finishing touches. Fiora lifted her hands to say something, then let them drop again. What was there to say? It was the most beautiful gown she had ever seen. She walked closer to study the stitching. As seemed common for montane dresses, the hems were decorated with embroidery rather than straight stitches. This gown had elegant gold patterns of waves and starfish. Dowager Queen Bernadine smiled. This was mine a very long time ago. I had Marie rework it for you. Fiora's eyes widened. Your Majesty, this is too generous. You can't. Don't tell me what I can't do, girl. That's never worked for anyone before. There was a gleam in Dowager Queen Bernadine's eyes. Almost as if she hoped that Fiora would try to refuse the gift so they could argue and see who had the strongest will. Fiora laughed silently and shook her head in surrender. It would be much easier to win Gustav's heart in such a beautiful gown, and making an enemy of the Dowager Queen would not help her cause. Leave us, Thomas, Dowager Queen Bernadine said. Lady Mare needs privacy to change. Thomas left, and the seamstress helped Fiora into the dress. She darted in and out, marking places to alter, checking the overall effect, then adding more pins. What shoes will the lady wear? Marie signed, more to Dowager Queen Bernadine than Fiora. Fiora swallowed. A dress like this was meant to be worn with beautiful shoes. The skirt had been cut long to leave room for heels. It would make attending the ball agony, but she was managing so far. I will wear these, she said, pulling the skirt up a bit so they could see her feet. I thought you might like to wear flats, the Dowager Queen said. She gave Fiora a searching look, and Fiora scowled. Apparently she was not hiding her pain as well as she hoped. She shook her head. I want to wear the heels. She had limited weapons in this fight, and fashion was one of them. She couldn't afford to look anything less than perfect. I understand you suffered an injury in your accident and have pain in your feet, Dowager Queen Bernadine said. I see no point in you making yourself miserable for the sake of fashion. Besides, the skirt is so full that no one will see your shoes. Fiora looked at her reflection in the mirror. It was true. The dress was an old-fashioned style held out with multiple petticoats that would cover her feet completely. She could go barefoot if she wanted. Still, it was the principle of the thing that mattered. Proper ladies wore proper shoes. Fiora shook her head and prepared for a fight. The Dowager Queen got that stubborn look in her eyes again, then shrugged. Very well, if you're sure. 
We'll still need to take the hem up a bit. Will you have time to adjust it by tomorrow night, Marie? The seamstress nodded and began to work. She circled Fiora, studying the drape of the skirt, then knelt and began to pin the hem. Bernadine turned her attention to supervising the seamstress and offering her opinions on the ways to gather the new hem. Fiora watched for a while, then studied the room to distract herself from the pain of standing for so long in the heels. Dowager Queen Bernadine's bedroom was as tastefully decorated as the rest of the castle, although a bit more cluttered than the other rooms. Mementos covered the tables, and portraits covered the walls. Fiora recognized young Gustave and Colette in many of them. She stared at one that seemed familiar. It was a man with a curled beard. An older version of Gustave with streaks of gray at his temples. His eyes crinkled in a smile, and his expression was kind. My son, King Francois, Dowager Queen Bernadine said. I had his most recent portrait moved from the hallway to my room when he disappeared. Perhaps I should have given it to Gustave or Colette instead. They do miss their father. Something once again teased at Fiora's memory. She had seen this man before. Recently. Where was he last seen? He was sailing to Gavron, but his ship was blown off course and never recovered. We would have assumed it had been lost at sea if not for Gustav's ring. Gustav is determined to find him, Fiora signed. We all want to find him, but it has not been easy, Dowager Queen Bernadine said. Francois would not want Gustav to risk his life searching for him. Or to put his life on hold. Although I think you have made him a little less reluctant to move forward. He's stopped acting stiff as a statue since you joined us. Your Highness. I. Fiora stopped mid-sign. She remembered where she had seen King Francois. He was the statue. The one that Leander had placed in the garden the day the Kraken attacked. She recognized the beard. She studied the painting, checking every detail. Yes, it was the same man. They must have commissioned the statue before King Francois disappeared. Perhaps it had been on one of the ships that was lost in the Kraken attacks. Are you well, Lady Mare? Dowager Queen Bernadine asked. Fiora nodded, not willing or able to explain her revelation. First a statue of Gustav, then one of his father. It seemed she was fated to run into this family even when she was under the ocean. Fiora bit her lip. The painting of King Francois brought Dowager Queen Bernadine comfort. Perhaps the statue would do the same for Gustav it would also be a good way to catch his attention. Elaine could offer help finding enchanted objects, but Fiora could offer a gift. Not to mention this family had been kind to her. She would like to do something for them in return. She would give the statue to Gustav as a birthday gift. It wouldn't be the same as having his father back, but it would be something. A comfort. That and the beautiful gown were the only advantages she had at the moment and in the fight for her life, Fiora needed all the help she could get. Something crashed into the window. A seagull streaked with black. He landed on the ledge and tapped at the glass with a shell in his beak. That bird certainly seems fond of you, Lady Mare, Dowager Queen Bernadine said. Perhaps it was a mistake to feed him. She tried to stay calm, but she couldn't help fidgeting as Spot continued to tap on the glass. The mermaids wanted to meet her. Perhaps they had found a way to break the enchantment, 
and she could stop worrying about being proper and winning Gustav's heart. She refused to feel disappointed that finding a cure would mean leaving Gustav and the human world behind. How long would the mermaids wait for her to come? How long would it take Marie to alter the gown? I've never seen a bird with markings quite like that, the Dowager Queen said. He looks like he found a bottle of squid ink. Fiora froze as Dowager Queen Bernadine cast a knowing look at her hair. I used squid ink for dye when my hair went gray. Unfortunately, that was a losing battle. She gestured to her white hair with a playful gleam in her eyes. Fiora took a deep breath and tried not to panic. Bernadine knew. The Dowager Queen had somehow figured out that Fiora was in disguise and her hair had been dyed. What else had she guessed? It seemed Bernadine had the sharpest eyes in the castle regardless of her age. Or perhaps because of it. Whatever else she knew, the Dowager Queen didn't seem inclined to share it. Instead, she winked at Fiora. Dress fittings are rather dull, aren't they? Have you pinned enough to finish the hem, Marie? We can keep the shoes here to measure the height. Yes, Your Highness. Then let's help Lady Mare change and set her free. 